Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with City Administrator Paul Casey. And uh, Paul, a lot of times I do these interviews and we sort of talk and we we get into the news sort of at the end. But right now with you, I want to get into the news right away because you know you've got a lot of buzz going on around you. But I want I just want to talk to you and ask you like you know you recently announced that you're leaving the city after 24 years. Okay. Talk to the audience. You are somebody who's uh, he's done so much, had so many roles, and you know you have this stellar reputation among so many people who you've worked with over the years at City Hall. You know, obviously, you've got some critics too. Uh, why are you leaving, Paul? Let's you know, just wow. just tell us in your own words. <laughs> you know, I thank you, Josh. Good to see you. Um, it's time. Sometimes you just know in your in your gut that it's time. It's something I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, I have loved my time with the city of Santa Barbara. Uh, you will hear hopefully over our conversation, just my passion for what we do as an organization, the employees that work for the city, what a great job they do, the variety of services we provide over 14 operating departments. Um, I just really enjoy it. And so it has been a pleasure and a privilege, as I said in my statement, to work for the city. At the same time, being city administrator, it is an all-consuming job. It is a seven days a week. You're never off any social event you go to, private or public. You're talking about your job because people are interested. And when they find out what you do, they want to talk about it. And I enjoy that. And that comes with the territory. Uh, but it being an all-consuming job, it can get exhausting as well. And quite honestly, the last 18 months has been the most challenging of my career. And I think anyone in my profession, it's been the most challenging of their career. So I'm tired. So, you know, you need to kind of know when you're, when you're kind of out of gas and I'm out of gas and I'm ready to hand the baton off because there's a lot of exciting things coming up for the city to take on. Uh, and I just felt it was time to kind of move on. Um, pursue other opportunities, see what comes forward, and leave on a high note. I'm, I'm really proud about where we're leaving and where I'm leaving the organization, and uh, so I'm looking forward to what comes next. You talk about the last 18 months being really difficult. Be specific. Are you talking about the pandemic? Are you talking about other factors? What about the past 18 months has been so so tough? Oh, the pandemic. The pandemic is uh, unlike anything any of us have seen. You know, two years ago, any of us who would have said we would have gone on to a year long shutdown of the economy and all that sort of stuff would have been uh, laughed out of the room. And so the pressures that came with that, uh, the decisions that had to be made on an hourly basis with changing information uh, with lives at stake uh, was really, really hard. And for me, uh, it's multifaceted because at the same time, I'm doing kind of the public side that you all see on Tuesdays, and we're making decisions with the council about what to do. I'm also running a large organization, like I said, with a thousand full-time employees uh, in multiple, multiple work groups and having to make decisions about how are they going to safely operate, employee safety being job one, but at the same time being an essential services provider, and we all needed to keep working. And so how do we do that safely and serve? And so just the whole combination of stuff. And then quite honestly, the civic dialogue um, is brutal. It's really bad right now. And it's from all sides. And so, you know, my sympathy to council because they just get hammered on everything. You're not doing enough, do more. You can't do enough versus you're destroying the economy. You're doing too much versus it's all a hoax. And what are you doing? Um, and it's just kind of gloves off too of, you know, just yell at people. It's really unfortunate, I think, uh, how the civic discourse has kind of devolved. But so you just kind of add all that stuff up um, and having to make decisions and keep a steady hand and, and keep pushing forward. And it's a challenge and it, it's draining. <laughs> and it was it was exhilarating and, and exciting, but there's only so much adrenaline can kind of get you through before you kind of go, ah, you know, I need a longer break than a, than a nice two week vacation. So, you know, um, I started at the News Press in 1999. Yes. So <clears throat> I've literally known you since then because mm -hmm. you were the community development director at that at that point. Not quite. I think I was the <laughs> assistant director. Yeah, Dave assistant. Davis. Was That's still right. There. Dave yeah. had Dave Davis had what was it 2000? You know, shortly after that. Yeah. So so I, I've known you a long time, and 
you've had this really stellar reputation within the community development department within city hall uh, that's why you were appointed you're 37 years old and you're the community development director um, and then i remember back then i remember telling you you're going to be the city manager one day right and you're like oh, no, no, no. you know but everyone would sort of look to you to to sort of be that <laughs> And then, you know, it comes out that, you know, you're retiring or you're not retiring, but you're, you're leaving the city. Um, it feels early. I know that you're, I guess, of retirement age. I mean, are, you know, you're, you're probably not going to make much more in retirement if you keep working. Um, I don't know those details, but it feels early, Paul. I mean, I know you're burnt out, but it feels mm -hmm. as though you're, you're leaving at a time when you most people would love to have this job for another five years or something. Yep. Um, so why don't you just, uh, why don't you just take a little bit of a break and, 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 you know, re regenerate, recalibrate and, and come back. Can you, can you talk about, I mean, you're kind of young to leave this job, aren't you? You know, I know. And you called me baby faced when I got appointed. To <laughs> yes, and I, I called and you I... a baby faced in an article in 2001 <laughs> or whatever it was way back then. Yes. And I am. <laughs> it is what I am. Uh, you, know, you know, Josh, that's exactly uh, that's exactly the point. Um, I think that there's an exciting five years coming up on the city. And I think the council needs a partner in a city administrator uh, to run that five years. And I just don't have the energy for it. You know, um, it's a hard job. I've been in high profile positions, like you said, since 2001. Um, and I'm ready to do something else. And I don't know what that is yet. And so that's kind of unnerving and exciting at the same time. But the city administrator job is a really important job. And you have to have the passion. You have to have the energy. You have to have the commitment. And you have to be on all the time. And I just feel a little tapped out in that regard. And that's not a good way to serve in this position. Um, if I can't give the 120% that this job needs, I, I think I need to have uh, pass the baton, as I say, to someone who does. And so it is, there is an exciting time coming forward. And I just uh, wasn't sure I was able to perform at the level that I expected myself. Uh, you know, the issues are becoming the same issues that have been dealing with for a long time. And so they just don't get me as excited as they did the first two or three times around. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's natural. If I talk to my colleagues uh, in the city management profession, you know, we all have unique experiences, but we all have a lot of similarities as well. And as I kind of consulted with my confidants uh, for some time now, uh, it's a similar kind of arc uh, that people get through. So I want to leave when I'm on top, not after I've uh, done a half-assed job for a little while. Okay. All right. Let me ask you some questions because, you know, we talk about the last 18 months and the pandemic. Um, simultaneous with all this, we've seen growing um, unhappiness with City Hall among some developers, among some members of the business community, uh, critics. And they always look at the person at the top, right? Uh uh, this is not a, uh, this is a strong city manager city. So you're the one who, for the most part, I mean, you're running the city far more than the mayor is. Uh, the, the mayor and the council, they approve things and certainly they have a lot of policy um, input. But I mean, when you present the budget, all your staff has done the work. When you present anything, you know, they've done the work. But you've received a lot of criticism in the past uh, 18 months uh, from, from certain members of the community. Have they won here? H has Ed St. No. George won? H no. Have the critics won? Because uh, you know that's what some of them are thinking. Well, we, we, we won. He's, he's leaving now. No, no. I've had critics all my career, Josh. You know, I got shouted at at a meeting when I was working for the city of Santa Monica, you know, by 120 people in a room as we were trying to do a bike master plan. Um, Tony Romasana, you know, I really enjoyed Tony, the late Tony Romasana. He asked, he was calling for me to be fired. He was lobbying council to fire me. That comes with the job. It comes when you're in a position, like you say, either community development director or city administrator. That comes with a job. I'm not leaving because of that, you know, and, and quite honestly, they didn't win. Council didn't fire me. They were demanding council fire. They said they had five votes to fire me. Well, then council would have fired me. Council didn't want to fire me. Um, so no, they didn't win. Uh, comes with the comes with the job. You know, uh, in in journalism, they tell us perception is everything, right? Mm -hmm. So so um, 
if people believe something to be true, mm-hmm. you know, that's the perception and that's what people are gonna gonna remember. Did you think about it in the middle of the night and say, I'm not gonna leave because if I leave, I know there's five or six individuals who are really gonna be happy and they're gonna say, we did it, right? <laughs> did you think about that? Just sort of out of just sort of personal sort of like humanity of like, no, I'm not going to let them think they won. I'm I'm going to stay here for at least another two years. Did, did that occur to you at all? No, the big pressure was last year was when they really made the run at me. Um, so, you know, there in this position, there will always be that perception whenever I decide to step down. So, you know, I can't win that game. So I just, I need to do what's right for me and what's true to me. And that's what I'm doing here. This is my time, my terms, my choice. And I feel really good about it. There's a couple legal issues that I'm not going to get into because I know you're not going to talk about them that are litigation related to, to city hall. And I know that through my reporting, I get, sorry, no comment. So we're not going to go there on every litigation that the city is facing right now, but I do want to ask you a little bit about the politics. Uh, We recently, you know, every, every council seat is district elections. Now we've completed that transition. And so you have uh, a situation where you have some some new council members who have not served on on boards and commissions. Uh, You have some more experienced ones like, uh, you know, some who have served on the planning commission forever or, you know, have served on the water commission or something. You know, you have uh, or the harbor, you know, you have those sort of that balance. But can you talk a little bit about what it's been like to work with this council uh, over the last few years? Uh, we, we know that there, some of them individually have, have criticized you and, 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 you know, suggested that, you know, maybe you need to do a better job publicly. So what's it been like to work with this council? You know, good question. And, and I wanted to step back, make sure people understand what my role is and what council yeah. role is. So so we're a council manager form of government. Um, it came out of the progressive era of the early 20th century uh, to replace kind of the, the, the corrupt politics that people were seeing in, in more of the strong mayor form of government, especially on the East Coast. So it's been really well established out here on the West Coast as kind of a good form of government. And that's where you have council as the elected leaders who set policy. They make policy. Uh, and so that is their charge. And then they hire a city administrator or a city manager to run the day-to-day operations of the city. So that's my job with the 14 operating departments, 1,000 employees, $380 million budget is to be that kind of CEO uh, of the organization. I have a great respect for council members who raise their hand and are willing to run for council. It's a hard job. I wish people had a little more respect for the pressures and challenges that council members have to go through uh, and the variety of input that they do. And then they need to stay true to their uh, instincts and judgment and and political preference in that regard. So it's hard. You're right. So I've managed the city through a very major transition of at-large elections to district elections. And we're still, I think, kind of figuring it out as an organization about what that really means. What's it mean to be a council member from a district versus at-large? Certainly advocating for their district is important, but what's the citywide perspective? Uh, And your observations of the council, I think the council would agree with them as well. Uh, It was a relatively newish council the last two or three years. And then you throw the COVID pandemic on top of that and the remote meetings. And like I said, the pressures that you get from every which side, um, hard combo. I think it's been a hard year on all of us. And it's not unique to Santa Barbara. Read national journalism and it's happening everywhere. Um, And so it's just, it is what it is. I've got good relationships with all the council members. Uh, Yeah, at times they kind of publicly said things that, you know, it's a little deflating, uh, but privately they have always told me they've got my back and uh, support me and, and I just continue to plot forward, not plot forward, uh, move forward and uh, do the best job that I can. What's it like there on a Tuesday dealing with council members? And I'll just, you know, I'll just say it from my, you know, analyst perspective is I've covered lots of councils. I've covered them in San Jose. I've covered them in the Bay Area. I've covered them obviously locally. And uh, the city manager is usually a, a super valuable person because when things get really harried or complicated or difficult, or you've got all of these interests and they just can't really, you know, figure out how to put a bow on their motion. 
that's when the city manager comes in and says, here's what I'm hearing. And uh, here, here, here's what I think we can do. Here's the direction I think we can go. So let me just sort of say this out loud. And uh, let's see if that's something we can put into a motion. You know, we'll do whatever you want, council, right? We're here at your pleasure. Right. But I want to give you that feedback, you know, and that's like the key role. It's like the city manager doesn't want to dominate the meeting, does not want to be the personality of the meeting. They want to be there to sort of make sense of it. And I feel as though, you know, with, with Jim Armstrong before you, you know, he, he rarely talked uh, when he flipped on the mic and talked. It was like, what has Jim got to say? Um, you used to be like that. OK, I feel like you've done a lot more talking during these council meetings. And I, I feel it's probably because you've got some council members who, who, you know, they're new. They're just kind of doing this for the first time. What is it like for you on a Tuesday when you see these, particularly because of the pandemic and it's remote and you see these issues go on and on, hours, 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 um, how do you do that? How much do you leave to the mayor to, to sort of sort out and how much do you sleep? I, I, I got to turn on my mic and fix this. So great observation. You are a keen observer and your your analysis of what I perceive the city manager, city administrator role to be, I completely agree with you. And so my challenge is to listen and listen carefully. And if I sense a consensus or where I think a, a majority can be, but they're not quite wrapping it up, you're right. I will wait for the appropriate time to step in and try to, as you say, corral it, put a bow on it and see if they'll follow. Uh, at the same time, sometimes you got to let them talk. You got to let them work your work the way through, you know, coming on too soon, I think is inappropriate. Uh, because again, you have to listen and wait for that moment when it's ready. Uh, Zoom meetings have been long and you have a council that is likes to talk things out and talk things through. So you got to give them that rope to do so. Public comment is a lot longer in this environment. It just makes meetings long and uh, people are loving the remote testimony and we're getting re remote testimony from throughout the state and throughout the nation, quite honestly, on, on some key items. And so that's just is what it is. Um, but you're right, that is the art form to being a good city administrator is knowing when to step in. Now, at times, did I step in a little more aggressively in the last 18 months or so? Yeah, because the times called for it. You know, uh, when we're in this global pandemic and such, um, I felt an obligation, a professional obligation to uh, step up a little bit more and, and give my advice a little bit more uh, directly in the middle of meetings than, than maybe I would have in the past. And, and I think council appreciated that. I didn't get any feedback. Uh, negatively from them in that regard. A lot of people have told me Paul has done the best job he could considering the political stability on the council. There's not cohesion. No, you know, there shouldn't be seven zero all the time. If it was seven zero all the time and they all got along, uh, we'd all be writing stories about how they need to do more individually. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's always whatever they're, they're, they're doing, you know, people say they should be doing the other thing. Exactly. So, so you know, I, I get all that, but um, a lot of people say, oh man, Paul's leaving because the council's dysfunctional. It's because the mayor doesn't have leadership, right? That's what I'm hearing. Um, can you talk about that? I mean, do you, do you, I know it's a tough situation, but you're leaving Paul, right? You've already said you're leaving. <laughs> they are your bosses. Um, what is your opinion of the council? And, and, and you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but you've worked with a lot of councils, honestly, as candidly as you can be, Paul, what is, what is your perspective of how good this council is at shaping policy? <laughs> Come on, Josh. <laughs> I am a professional through and through, and I'm going to finish professionally because it's like I said, it's hard being an elected council member. Um, and I don't council will admit they're, they're struggling as a team right now and, and need to figure that out. And I really hope as we come back in person, the pressure of COVID releases, uh, we've got through this together. Um, I, I think we're all hoping and they're hoping as well that uh, that will improve. Uh, so, yeah, that's been a hard year. But, but again, it's just a, it's a nature of just a lot of transitions thrown in with a super pressured, tough environment that we had. Um, 
you know, I'd like all my council members individually, and I've liked all previous council members individually. It's one of my key desires is to create that personal connection, relationship, and trust. You know, what you need is you need to have the trust of the council to be able to confide in you, talk about what they want to try to accomplish. I try to help everyone accomplish what they want to do because they are the policymakers. That is my job is to assist them. Uh, And so that's super important for me to, to keep those relationships with all of them. What do you think of the job the mayor is doing? Uh, and and you, you worked with Mayor Helene Schneider. You obviously, in your community development role, worked with uh, with Marty Bloom uh, before that. Uh, you know, to the degree you feel comfortable. You know, what are your thoughts on the mayor? You know, I have a very good relationship with Kathy. She has been nothing but supportive uh, of me and for me and with me, yeah. uh, and I've always greatly appreciated that. And so she has a tough job. She came as a councilwoman, as an advocate councilwoman, and then transitioned into the mayor role. Um, yeah, I'm not going to comment about any of individual council members or the mayor in that regard, Josh. Okay. Well, let me ask you the question this way, district elections. Do you have any thoughts on uh, district elections in terms of policy and how we elect uh, yeah. our officials? Uh, what are the pros, cons? You know, what, what do you think of the system? I think it's, it's played out kind of how you thought it might play out. Um, so it's something that's sweeping California. The, the state legislature passed legislation to really encourage and, in fact, kind of make cities move towards district elections. And so you're seeing that all up and down uh, California. And there are pros and cons, in my mind, just as a governmental uh, wonk kind of person. One, it's made it easier to run for council. Uh, running in a district is easier than running citywide. It takes less money. You can walk door to door. Uh, you can engage with your constituents more directly. And so I think we've seen that. And that's, I think, a really good benefit of district elections. Where we're struggling with is still kind of what's that mean from a policy standpoint of what kind of mindset do people bring? And it's, again, it's not unique to Santa Barbara. You're going to see that every place that has district elections. And so that's uh, that's something that we're going to keep working on and having to figure out and just kind of have to see how that goes. So I think there's pros and cons. I always I'm a big picture thinker, so I always like the more citywide perspective. Um, and that's just been something that drives me and inspires me. Um, so we'll see. But I think you're right. And, and again, I think if you go back and look at the debate uh, as we were debating about or, or moving towards district elections, I think a lot of the keen observers like yourself and others uh, would say, yeah, it's kind of playing out how we thought it might play out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that because somebody who's covered the city for a long time, you're watching them ask questions out there publicly. Whereas in the past, a lot of the other council members would ask privately, maybe they'd give a heads up to staff or they'd get most of their questions answered. So when it became time for council day, it was almost performance day. It was almost quote day. It was, it wasn't, let me sort of unravel the layers of the onion here in front of everybody to sort of figure out. And so I think that's one of the changes, but I mean, if you, you know, I know, um, you know, we're not going to talk about individual. You're not, but I will. But you look like Alejandro <laughs> Gutierrez, right? District elections. Um, and even Jason before her, personality issues aside and who likes who and all that, forget that. But I mean, I think those are examples of district elections, like advocating for these issues, these issues. Like, you know, she's done a really good job. She's all over these issues in her district. And uh, everyone knows she's paying attention. So it might be Milpa Street or it might be or, or Tega Park or, you know, it's all these projects. Like that's an example of, hey, let's get somebody who really knows these things on the council mm-hmm. and let's um, let's have them make these things a priority at City Hall. Right. So, you know, obviously personalities aside, you know, this is politics. Not everybody has to get along. OK, so I think there are some really good examples and she's a good, good example of that, of somebody who's like, the East side is what I'm concerned about. And we, you know, probably would not have ever had that without district elections. You know, we would probably wouldn't have had Jason Dominguez before that. So I think there are some, some uh, definite positives with, with uh, seeing district elections and those representatives. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes though, um, it's, it's kind of like, reinventing the wheel right like, the stuff's been done before it'd be interesting to do you know so you know it is what it is can you talk a little bit about you know the the highlights of your your career at city hall or even like community like did you have a best day i mean 
you've dealt with a lot, the debris flow, the pandemic. Yeah. It wasn't all bad, right? I mean, what, what have you enjoyed most about, <laughs> about your time and your leadership? You know, that, and thank you, Josh. That's a good point. Um, I got a long laundry list of things I'm super proud of. Yeah. You know, I have, I've kept notes over the years because I knew that someday this would come and I wanted to reflect back on everything. I've got four pages of uh, little things that, that were important to me over the years. Um, some of the highlights, you know, I mentioned them in my press statement. Passing Measure C is really a, a legacy accomplishment that I'm super proud of. It was politically hard. It was hard to get the coalition together. It took a couple of tries. You know, Jim Armstrong, my predecessor, started it, and then I kind of kept it going. Uh, had a failed attempt to get it on the ballot with a final vote, uh, but then came back with a, a better program uh, that's going to serve the city so well. And so we've seen, you know, we've revitalized Cabrillo Pavilion, and now that we're open, people are going to start being able to enjoy that jewel of the city. Uh, and really the jewel of California as a coastal amenity. I'm super proud of that. We're going to finally move on the police station. I'm really excited about that. Our streets and roads were really starting to deteriorate, so we've turned that around. So I'm super proud of that. Uh, on the planning side, this is very much a planning town. So even as city administrator, you're still in planning. You know, we did a major revision to our local coastal plan. It's a little wonky, but it was huge. The same thing with updating the zoning ordinance, which we hadn't touched in 40 years. And we finally corralled that and got that done. Uh, you know, redevelopment, we accomplished so much when uh, I was in community development, head of the redevelopment agency. Uh, you know, people forget we were putting $20 million in improvements into the downtown core, which really made downtown Santa Barbara uh, sing. And we've lost that and we're seeing the consequence of that. So that's a challenge. Affordable housing, super proud of the partnerships, especially with the housing authority, but also people's self-help housing uh, with the number of units we've been able to uh, construct in partnership with them. Super proud of that. Uh, and then I could go on and on. You know, the energy and sustainability side, we're kind of revitalizing that as a community. We've got community choice energy coming out this fall. I reorganized internally and created a sustainability department for the first time. I'm excited about kind of positioning the organization uh, to take those issues on. Planning for sea level rise, big challenge coming down the road, but we're kind of laying the groundwork and the foundation for that. I could go on and on. <laughs> And, and, you know, these are things that you're doing, you're working on, you know, they, they pass, they get approved incrementally, you know, the, it's, it's a long, it's a long, you know, years long efforts, right? Um, what would you say to those people who are, who, who say, uh, Paul's the CEO of the city, so great, great things have happened, okay? But when things go wrong, we need to start at the CEO, right? We need to start with him. Do you think that's a fair, you know, when you're talking about government, is it, do, do we need to look at it? Like, you know, if, if, if there's a problem in a private sector, you know, they might look at the CEO and say, you know, let's get a new CEO. Does it work the same way in, in government, do you think? You know, with everything, it, it depends on the, the magnitude of what you're talking about. Absolutely, I take responsibility when things don't go right. That's what leadership is. That's what uh, you do. Um, but I, I, as with any corporation or city, uh, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to hit every ball exactly the way it's pitched to you. Um, and so what do you learn from it? How do you move forward and keep the organization going forward? I think we're hitting on a lot of cylinders. I think we're doing a lot of things really well. And so that's what I am proud of. And where you're not, you keep working on it and try to make improvements. Let's go back a little bit in time. Okay. So tell me about the Paul Casey, who's 18, 20, 22. You went to UCLA. Is that correct? No, 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 no. Irvine. I'm an anteater. Come on, Josh. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. So tell me a little bit about Paul in college and sort of your, your route, you know, how you got to where you got in, in terms of, of Santa Barbara. Um, I know, you, you know, you've done some political work in your past. So can you yeah. kind of walk us through your background? Yeah, that'd be fun. So I went to UC Irvine. So I am a proud anteater. Uh, I went into college not knowing what I wanted to do. One of the reasons I went to Irvine is, you know, you could live in Newport Beach at some point and you could go in undeclared. Ended up gravitating towards economics. Uh, really enjoyed kind of the public policy side of economics, flipping through the course catalog and seeing how economic incentives can shape policy in an efficient way. And so I really, that struck a chord with me and I really liked it. Had a great time in journalism and uh, 
in college. I was on the radio station. I had a radio show. I, oh. did, I did news on the radio. I announced basketball games. I did play-by-play for two years. Super, super fun. Uh, so, so you get through college with an economics degree, kind of a public policy focus, and the economy wasn't great. And I, but I realized that I wanted to be involved in policy. Uh, if I enjoy it, if that's what kind of my interest lies, why not engage rather than being from the outside and just kind of talking and, and debating about it? Why not, why not get in the ring? Mm-hmm. So I went to graduate school. They certainly L- make more money. Oh, I can testify <laughs> to that. <laughs> and so I went to the LBJ School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas in okay. Austin, uh, realized I'm a Californian at heart. So let's go out of state and experience a little bit of life. Loved Austin, loved my time at the LBJ School, really hit my stride and knew that I had found my passion and calling. Still didn't know exactly where I wanted to go. So coming out of that, I got a fellowship in the state Senate of California. I applied for a fellowship and got selected, one of uh, 12 uh, fellows, I forget what the number was. And so it was a real privilege. And so you go and then you interview either with the policy committee or with a state senator and get placed in their office while you have this other fellowship action going around. And I had the great honor of being placed in state Senator Gary Hart's office, who happened to be from Santa Barbara, California. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say a privilege because I have the utmost respect and admiration for Gary, for any of the longtime people in the community who know Gary. He is just class act personified. Uh, He is principled. He is policy driven. He had a reputation of having the best staff in the Capitol uh, from a policy standpoint and a good governance standpoint. So I got to work for Gary for uh, almost two years and such a privilege and I'm still friends with him today and, and a lot of the staff, just a tight knit group. So that gave me a test of, you know, you're 23, 24 and you're waking up in the morning and you're walking into the state Capitol every day. Ah, that, that's kind of fun stuff, you know. Um, but then the voters passed Proposition 140, which was term limits, mm. which I think was a mistake at the time. But it also cut staffing salaries by 30 percent. Uh, it was really an anti-Willie Brown measure. Um, I had a chance to meet with Willie Brown one on one with Gary and boy, power personified. <laughs> he, was, he is just something else. Uh, but anyways, so I was the last one in. So I was the first one out. That's how it goes. Yeah. And then I ended up down at the city of Santa Monica. My sister was there and tipped me off to a transportation planning job, which was an interest of mine early in my career. So that's where I got into local government, was with the city of Santa Monica for seven years. And I really love local government because it's closest to the people. You can touch and feel the changes that you are working on and the policy you have. You actually have public comment. One of my frustrations with Sacramento is it's so removed from the public. Oh, yeah. you, know, you, you know, we have so much more public comment on the off-leash dog ordinance here in Santa Barbara than Sacramento does on some major, major efforts that they're doing. So I just love the immediacy of local government and just found that that was what I wanted to be. And then always being kind of the big picture guy, how things interrelate led me to uh, the city manager's office as a career path. I realized early on that's kind of wanted to where I wanted to be because I'd like how things tie together and work together. And so I had John Jalili, a city manager in Santa Monica. He was a great mentor. And then up here, uh, Sandra Tripp Jones and then Jim Armstrong were, were great mentors to me as well. So did you ever think about uh, politics yourself? I mean, I, I know that you, you know, your training was in this, but you're around a lot of politicians. Did you think, hey, maybe I can do this? No. no? No. <laughs> Again, it's hard being a politician. I, you know, A, I'd hate to raise money. That would be just the last thing I'd be interested in. You know, and I, I reflect. So one of the great people in my life I've had the privilege to know was Barbara Jordan uh, at the LBJ school. She was teaching there. So I got to take uh, an ethics class with Barbara Jordan. Um, and what a privilege and honor that was. An amazing individual. Uh and she would push us to get into elected office. And it was funny. It just was not something that interested me. Uh, I enjoy the policy side more than the politics side. And so I really enjoy uh, what I do, but I have a great deal of respect for the politicians. And I think you need to in this job. So I enjoy kind of that cusp of, you know, being a little bit in the politics side, but really kind of grounded in the administrative and, and policy side. 
how did you get the Santa Barbara job? I imagine you're in Santa Monica. You have a lot of options, right? Yeah, what what yeah. made you choose Santa Barbara? You know, so it, per, personal choices. Uh, I'm married at the time. Uh, I'm not married now, but we're still very good friends. Uh, and she's a great confidant for me. Uh, uh, but we're in Santa Monica. She was originally from Minnesota. Didn't want to be in L.A. forever. So I sacrificed for my marriage and moved to Santa Barbara to raise our family. So it's a huge <laughs> sacrifice on my part. Um, you know, and my, I think people know my sister uh, was working for the city at the time. So she kind of tipped me off to a position. I applied, interviewed with Dave Davis. Tremendous thanks for Dave for uh, bringing me up to Santa Barbara and teaching me so much. Dave is one of the brilliant people I've met over my career. Uh, and so that got me up to Santa Barbara. And it's funny, we interviewed uh, over in El Paseo, uh, you know, Liz told me the morning of don't wear a tie, whatever you do, don't wear a tie. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you know Dave, you, you understand that comment. Mm -hmm. And Dave's pitch was there are three things that will always be major policy issues in Santa Barbara. And this is back in 1997, housing, water, transportation. <laughs> and he's right. right. It's right. Yeah. It's just, yeah, we're constant constant issues we're grappling with. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think community development department has changed dramatically from the time you were there? I mean, obviously we had the situation where, uh, you know, there was a change in leadership last year with George Buell leaving mm -hmm. and I guess, mm -hmm. was it Rebecca Bjork who went, who went over there for a while? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I know these issues pretty much stay the same, right? But um, did, did we see something different with community development uh, in terms of like a breakdown in the planning process that was not happening when you were there? Or can you talk about the changes when you're there versus city manager? You know, my first job I was hired was a new position that was created in 97 to fix community development and the processes that were not functioning properly at the time. <laughs> um, you know, it's hard. It's hard being in a regulatory climate. It's hard because then the natural instinct is to add more regulations to solve problems as they come up. So you just kind of layer more process and more regulations until it comes to a point where you got to peel it back and kind of re-simplify and reset. And so it, it unfortunately is just kind of a, a natural phenomena of regulatory city organizations. And I think we've done that now. Um, I'm really pleased with where the department is at. Rebecca did a fantastic job as an interim role. Um, I know people don't like consultant studies, but that Novak report I thought was very insightful about kind of laying out the things that we could do. Council appointed a subcommittee to oversee that implementation, which is good. Is there more work to be done? You bet. Uh, but I think we've kind of uh, right-sized the ship and the feedback I'm getting from, from many of the development community is that they are seeing change, which is good and positive. At the same time, you got to make sure you're still representing the community and the community's interest about uh, development and regulatory issues as well. So that's the tricky balance is developers and architects, they always want one thing, uh, but the community sometimes wants something else. And so trying to find that right balance. Yeah. So just to go back, because um, we went to community development, but you were talking about, you know, Santa Barbara and, your, you know, your your personal life. You've got a, a couple of daughters, correct? Can you talk a little bit about what, what that's been like? I mean, you're in the public eye, right? For better or worse, the good days you're running the city, the bad days you're running the city, um, your daughter's going to school in the community. I'm sure yeah. people know, oh, your dad is that guy, you know? Um, what's what's it like being, being, you know, can you talk to me a little about your private life and raising, yeah. raising two kids here? Mm -hmm. I got three girls. Three girls. They're, they're the pride of my life. Couldn't be more proud of my daughters. Uh, they just bring joy and pride to me as you see them grow up and become young adults. So they're 26, 24. And then my youngest is going to be a senior at Santa Barbara High School. Mm -hmm. uh, it really grounds you in the community uh, from, from a professional standpoint and kind of that link. Um, it gets you out to the soccer games. It gets you to the school events. Uh you understand what it's like to be, live, and work and play in Santa Barbara. Um, but the three girls there, they are the, the greatest accomplishment of my life, hands down. Sounds cliche, but it's so true. I couldn't be more proud of them. Um, they have always been supportive of me and my career. It's been fun as they've gotten older, kind of the advice and counsel and observations they provide back to me. 
I hope I haven't caused them any consternation. They haven't said so in their uh, life at school, except for when one of them was in elementary school and the teacher was organizing a bring target to Santa Barbara and knew that I was a parent in that classroom and held a little rally for a pro target out of the airport. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I remember that. That project fell through. Exactly. (laughs) Do Do you ever go to the Galita target and be like, Oh man, we, we should have made this happen. I support my Santa Barbara Target, Josh. <laughs> Mini Target. Okay. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's sort of uh, move toward wrapping up here. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, you know, I, I get the sense, Paul, and I've known you a long time, right? You know, and, and I mean, I don't get a sense of. Um, I feel like you have changed, you know, very much since the time you started, you know, and I, as I listen to you now and as I coverage over the years. I do feel like you, you truly are done. You're over it. (laughs) You've had enough. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of a sense of like, I feel like you're kind of beat down a little bit and that could be wrong. That could be my impression. Like, you know, what's the point, you know, I'm done. You know, I've done this long enough. I'm financially okay. And somebody else can deal with this. I sort of, you know, <laughs> kind of get that get that sense do you have any regrets at all I mean can you you know I asked you about your highlights right like do you yeah. have anything where you're like oh I, I I wish I could do that differently again in your professional role yeah you know good question you know I think whenever you get to the towards the end of your career yeah you know you kind of it, it's having the self-recognition to know when it's time to move on and do something else. And so you're right, Josh. I mean, that, that's where I'm at. You are a, you've always been a good observer. And so I, I trust your observation about me from afar. Uh, any regrets? Oh, there, you know, when you're making decisions, important decisions on city business left and right, personnel decisions, hiring, firings, all that sort of stuff. Um, are there a few you'd want back? Of course, you know, who, who, who wouldn't kind of reflect and go, hey, I didn't quite hit everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, but no major regrets. I, I feel really good that I made good decisions in the moment with good intentions and good information at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, does everything work exactly the way you want it to? Nah, you know, no one does. Or at least, you know, maybe maybe I should never admit that. <laughs> I've seen politicians who you never admit anything. Um, of course, there's a few misses, but I feel really good overall about what I've accomplished and worked on. And, and I just, I, I want to shout out to the city as an organization. It is a healthy, strong organization with a lot of great people. It will do great without me uh, because of the men and women across all the departments who are here are going to keep that ball rolling and moving forward and looking forward to handing the baton off, as I said, and let the next person take it to even better and greater heights. I, I really truly believe that. Yeah. Well, I will say one of the hiring or appointment decisions you made was as regards to Rebecca Bjork, who um, in my interactions with her, I always appreciate it because it's, what's the question? Here's the answer. Like, wow, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to deal with a lot of dodging or being evasive. And I know she's a really good reputation in the community. Um, What was that about? Was that, I mean, that seems like a masterstroke. Like you go and you take her and she's public works, you put her in community development, then you move over to your office. What was your thinking there? sometimes you make good calls. <laughs> uh-huh. I totally agree. Rebecca's fantastic. Um, she is one of the smartest, brightest people you'll ever meet. Her mind is five steps ahead of everyone else. Uh, but she's smart, decisive, observant. Uh, so it's been great. She's done a great job in her acting role in community development. And I was really happy that she was interested in coming into city administration because it's different than city administration. Yeah. City Hall is different than uh, being a step removed from it over at 630 Garden Street. So uh, I have great admiration for her and uh, great confidence that you know, whatever role she plays, she will do great for the city. Is she the next city administrator? I know you, you're not hiring it, but I mean, is it? Is is what what what's the future here? You're going to do a nationwide council? Going to do a nationwide search? Someone from within? I mean, do you have any thoughts on who's going to replace you? I don't have thoughts on who will replace me. That really is council's job, and and I think calendar wise, it will likely be the next mayor and council, whoever that may be. Uh, and I think that would actually be appropriate because it's such an important relationship that council and city administrator has. I'll give my advice on process for council. Uh, but it's really up to them to, to make the decision. But yes, I would assume they will do an open recruitment for it and hire the best person to uh, work with them and, and help lead the organization forward. 
And uh, again, your plans, I mean, you're not retired, you're leaving the city, but you still want to work something, do something, or you can do maybe the consulting, you know, that whole world, or what's next for you? Podcasts, move to a podcast. I don't know, Lots Josh. Of money in it, I gotta say. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's unnerving and kind of exciting at the same time. You know, this is an all-consuming job, as I've mentioned before. So I haven't put a lot of thought into what's next because I'm focused on what's now and in front of me. So my plan is to take a little sabbatical, take some time off that I've never had the opportunity to do, uh, regroup, refresh, see what opportunities come my way and what I want to do. So it's unnerving and a little unsettling and kind of liberating at the same time. So I'm going to finish strong. I want to work hard till September 10th and then we'll see what comes my way. Little things. When is the council going to reopen, you know, back to the way it was people in the chamber meetings that hopefully are not nine hours to 11 (laughs) o'clock. No. um, What's, what's that future look like? I do look forward to my Tuesday nights back. That's true. Uh, So next Tuesday on the 20th, we are bringing council back into the chambers, but not the public. And so we'll continue with this remote testimony uh, in that way. But I think it'll be good for the dynamics to have council back in chambers. And we'll do that during the summer. You know, you have this whole kind of Delta variant spike kind of coming through. So how open do you want to be? So I think we're being measured in uh, coming back. And quite honestly, people have enjoyed the remote testimony and the convenience of that. And the state continues to allow that to occur. And then I think you come back after the break into the fall and and see where the public health situation lies and and what you do. So you'll see kind of the first iteration of coming back with council and key staff being in chambers, but the public still being remote testimony. Do you ever see a day where remote testimony is gone and it's back to the way it was where you've got to fill out your slip and go up there and talk for for three minutes and be in the room? Don't know. Uh, You know, exactly. A, what's the state going to do? Are they going to allow that to continue? And you see jurisdictions doing a little of everything. Some are going back to just in-person and some are allowing a hybrid. It's the technology is hard for the hybrid approach of allowing some in chambers and some remote testimony. So we'll have to figure that out. Um, just a couple of little things, then I'll let you go, Paul. I, I wanted to ask you about the state of the media, because you're one of these people mm-hmm. who've been around. I mean, you've been around forever in 99. You've watched the whole situation with the news press. And, yep. uh, you know, you've seen these other outlets like Newshawk and Independent, you know, you know, fill, fill the gap. And can you talk to me a little bit? Because it's always been my impression that, you know, I went to San Jose for two years and I came back and I felt as though, um government in general sort of was able to do a lot more with less attention on it um and so one of the reasons i try to write a lot and be prolific you know it's like everything matters you know not everything's the biggest story in the world but sometimes these little stories just you know that little attention if you know there's a reporter in the room you're aware of that you know everybody if you know there's a reporter covering a meeting what what is your take on on the state of the media obviously you you know, you're the people, you know, you read everything. You're the one of the ones who consumes it all. You yeah. know, I remember, remember Marcelo Lopez, right? I used to mm-hmm. meet with him. He used to call mm-hmm. me in his office once a week and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of talk to me about what's coming up, what's ahead, what's the agenda going to look like. And yeah. obviously that's the city trying to do their best to sort of, you know, explain to me ahead of, but that's, that's a good thing. That's pro- exactly. proactive. Yep. Um, what can you say sort of about the media climate and the state of the media and how much things have changed from when you started versus now? A lot. And you could say more than I could, Josh. (laughs) Um, You know, I regret that we're no longer in an era where you have a well-funded, highly professional single source of information for all the community to base the policy decisions off of. Um, When I got here, the news press was that entity. Um, They had great leadership. They had really good quality reporters. And I'm not just saying because you're here, but I also think of Scott Hadley and Melinda Burns. And and you also at that in that era had the time to do deeper analysis. And and by the way, I agree with your premise. I think having a good media uh, makes for better government. Mm -hmm. Um, You see throughout the state and nation uh, where local government uh, goes down a bad path. And part of that is that because no one's watching. And that, you know, and that corruption can come in and that's just awful. And it's awful from a government standpoint. It's awful from a profession standpoint. 
But anyways, so right. So now you have this much more bifurcated uh, entity. Uh, locally, you get your news from any number of sources. It could be NewsHawk. It could be The Independent. Uh, it could be KUIT. So many people still watch KUIT and watch the news. You still have yeah. the news press. Uh, you have Ed Hat, where you have kind of the anonymous chatter that goes on. Next door has come in and kind of become a source where people are, are getting information, whether it's good information or not. And so the, the bifurcation of the media is unfortunate. I, I think the pay and professional side of it is really unfortunate. Um, I have great admiration for you and the others who continue your commitment to journalism uh, without a lot of compensation for it. And I think that's really unfortunate. Because uh, then I think that only breeds the, the, the ability for people to choose it as a profession going forward makes it really challenging. And so we're just seeing this whole change of uh, being in a new era of how people communicate electronically and that sort of stuff. And it's hard. And what I miss the most is I miss the in-depth reporting. Yeah. Um, you know, when you would come and say, hey, I'm going to work over the next couple of weeks and I want to talk to a lot of people and kind of get below the surface and understand it more. And that helped inform the community better. Yeah. And um, it's just not the business model that, that's there right now. And that's hard. Yeah. 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 That's well said. That's just, you know, totally true. We're all doing the best we can, you know, mm-hmm. but it's it's not it's everything's changed from, from yep. how it was. I'm going to give you the last word here, Paul, uh, just, uh, you know, we'll end it the way we started it. But, uh, you know, I, I think that probably the, your critics, once you're gone and depending on who comes in, you know, they, you know, they might find, oh, a lot of these issues are still here. And then maybe it doesn't really matter who's at the top. These are things that um, are, are sort of never ending. You got to manage yep. them as best you can. Maybe they'll get somebody in and it will all change overnight. Right, Paul? No, I know. You don't, <laughs> don't know. You don't know. But let me just give you the last word, you know, just, uh, you know, what do you want to say to people out there who uh, are, are um, you know, aware that you're leaving, both the people who support you and the people who, you, who don't uh, yeah. just talk one last time? You know, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of people over the last few days, and it's just been um, very meaningful to me and emotional to me uh, to talk to them and and have feel their support. And, congratulations and know that it's a tough job and know that people only see maybe 10 or 20% of what I do on a daily basis. Uh, Cause so much of it is, uh, you know, under, under the scenes. I've loved my job. This has been the best job. And, you know, people say, are you going to go be a city manager somewhere else? No, if I still wanted to be a city manager, I'd stay here. This is the best job in the state of California. And I sincerely believe that. Uh, it's been a it's been a privilege. It's been an honor, and I've loved it, and I've ran hard, uh, and so I'm ready for something else. And there's no harm in that. And there was never going to be a great time to leave, but this seemed like a good time. We got through the pandemic. Last year was not the time uh, to move on, uh, so we got through that. Uh, there's a lot of exciting challenges coming forward, and I look forward to. Uh, watching from afar, uh, the next person in this role in, in the city and the organization as well. And just, again, I can't say it enough. The, the men and women of the city uh, impress me every day with their dedication, professionalism, and commitment. And so the city is in good hands uh, with all of them who are going to continue to work forward and, and bring things uh, good for the community coming forward. So I've really enjoyed it. All right, Paul Casey. Thanks a lot, city administrator, through September 10th. Have a great, <laughs> have a great day. Take care. Thanks, Thanks Josh.